close. This is my green right here. This is my. So what you I was just have and please. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so what is y'all? Y'all's is just this. Mine would be top four. Mine would be. Mine would be top three, like a dark green, and then safety is like a light green. Okay. Because they're not yeah, the same yeah, team. Yeah, I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> I didn't. Done. Know, I didn't want to I'm do done. all that. I was just <laughs> shut it off. I'm done. Don't even. Don't even. <laughs> God Almighty, please help us. Oh goodness. Statistically, Jordan Travis will go down as one of the best quarterbacks in Florida State history. He's. I, you could. You could honestly make the argument he's already a top five quarterback in school history. Top you five. Know. He might be top four outside of the Heisman winners. Yeah, it's it's Charlie, Jameis, Winky, however order you want to put him in for those top three. And then the, the, the argument starts there for who you want next. Hey guys, it's Terrence Nan. You're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. Go Dolls. Hey, what's up? This is Peter Ward, aka E Dub in the house. We're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. Go live, go Nose. Hi, this is Charlie Ward, and you're listening to Hear the Spear, Go Nose. This is Terrell Buckley. You're listening to Hear the Spear, presented by No Game Day. No bloody. But perhaps better known as the greatest corner to ever step on a football field, Deion Primetime Sanders. The great Deion Sanders, my brother. What's going on, man? I, I could wake up to that greedy every day, man. That was awesome. Hello, those fans. This is former Seminole Derek Brooks, and you're listening to Here's the Spear, presented to you by No Game Day. James Wilder Jr. What's going on, James? Thanks for having me on. SSOD, Florida State or Die, and go Nose. William Barnon Floyd. Gentlemen, what's up? What's happening, guys? This is Logan Robinson from Here's the Spear, presented to you by NoGameDay.com. We are live on a wonderful Wednesday evening as Tallahassee just got ripped from that thunderstorm earlier today. The tornado. Yeah, did it did it get you? You good? Everything fine? No, but I, I saw the pictures. It got the airport pretty good, it looked like. Mm, major yikes. Yeah, Tallahassee had a nasty storm earlier today, but Dustin seems like you've got some power back. Charlotte, up there for you. Austin, looks like everything's fine, right? It, it was just as rainy of a day here as it was down there. It was, it's been oh. storming all day. Yeah, did you have a tornado go through your city? Maybe I slept on okay, so it. Did you huddle in a corner in your bathroom? There's no way you did. No, no I did not. I was about to say. <laughs> no, he did not. No. I think any ounce of rain that hits y'all's roof or ground near y'all's house, you lose power, Dustin. I feel like that's just immediate. Once the storm's coming, I know Dustin's going to be without power for an hour or two. I was outside just praying for the tornado to come take me. Make <laughs> things a lot easier. Wouldn't have had to show up here tonight. That's yeah. crazy. Try, try to use a tornado to get out of your obligations. That's why. Un, unbelievable. But as it probably people are starting to tell here, as an internal podcast, we do not have a guest tonight. We will not be starting in this fashion. Wouldn't be too professional. But yeah, no guests this week. We're going to have an internal pod. We've got a few topics. We are in the realm of boring offseason, I will tell you guys. So this is now allowing us to go back and look at, at the 2022 season. So we'll be ranking. Florida State football's position groups after the whole year last season. We'll go through some quick hitters of the weeks. We've had we've heard from a few newcomers. Uh, we heard on, from a few of them on Tuesday. We'll hear from more on Thursday. We'll talk some recruiting, maybe a potential commit coming soon in Florida State's favor. And then we are going to jump into a little bit of basketball to end off this podcast. So nothing too crazy this evening. Uh, before we get started, make sure you hit that like button if you're on YouTube 
hit the subscribe button. Share this with all your friends on Facebook. If you're on iTunes right, right now, feel free to rate five stars. Leave a review. Definitely would appreciate it. Um, but yeah, let's get started with some some of these quick hitters. D-Lou, we'll start off really with the newcomer interviews on Tuesday. I wish we had the podcast tomorrow because that's when we're going to hear from a few more. But on Tuesday morning, we heard from South Carolina defensive and transfer Gilbert Edmond. Also heard from true freshman Vendravius Jacobs, who I'm really excited for. He gave a really nice interview. We heard from transfer tight end Kyle Morlock, along with freshman linebacker DeMarco Ward. Uh, you know, I think really a few highlights from the interviews that I was uh, involved with on Tuesday morning, Vendravius Jacobs kind of highlighting what we've been talking about throughout this last year or so, a guy that kind of under the cover, not really maybe highly recruited, not talked about a ton. Hiking Williams gets a lot of that praise, gets a lot of that, uh, you know, light onto him, but Vandravius Jacobs doesn't get it as much, but whenever we got to see him compete, uh, you know, during this before what God, it was so long ago. June, I think. Yeah. This last summer, you know, goodness gracious, put on a show in front of us and you got to see how crispy is at route running and the way that he'll go up and go for balls as vertical is really impressive. But he, he talked about it on the interview that, you know, this is a year where he kind of wants to show out and, and kind of, you know, show what kind of abilities that he'll bring to the offense. And he told some of the writers there that were asking questions. And he said, you know, looking at Florida State's offense this last year, a lot of people, you know, going into the season, why are you committing to Florida State after the seasons that they've had? And now it's funny, you know, Vandravis Jacobs telling his friends, telling people around him that, yeah, this is exactly why I stayed and stayed true to my commi commitment to Florida State and Mike Norvell's offense, the way that you're utilizing different players, he, in quotes, said, allows everybody to eat. And it is right. You know, you saw a lot of playmakers last season utilized in that offense under Norvell. So Vandravis Jacobs kind of got a chip on his shoulder coming in. Like I said, Hakeem Williams gets a lot of that attention early on. But now, you know, Vandravis Jacobs, he's on a mission to prove some people wrong. And as you alluded, this is a guy who comes in a little bit under the radar into Florida State. He did get bumped up there at the end of the recruiting cycle um, into that four-star prospect range. But, I mean, before that, you know, a guy that committed to Florida State in the summer of, tw of 2021 and, I mean, was just sitting there with a three-star ranking for quite some time despite dominating during his junior season, performing pretty well at some off-season camps. And then you, <clears throat> you saw this past year with him leading the state of Florida and receiving, I, I can't remember the exact number of touchdowns, but he, he scored a lot of them, was getting into, into the end zone multiple times most Friday nights. So this is a guy who's a playmaker. Like you said, someone someone who's coming in with a chip on his shoulder a guy who's taken motivation from every slight that he's received during the recruiting process and going to bring that motivation into Florida State, wants to add a little bit of weight, and once he does so, I mean, this guy is a bona fide contributor in that wide receiver room probably you know, in the next couple of years. Yeah, a guy that needs to add on some size. We talked about that last week whenever we were going through some of the measurements of some of the newcomers, d -Lou, and he's got to put on – a good amount of size. They want to put him up to around that 180 range before the season begins. So I think that's a good range. And I also don't like 
I think for some of us, we also think, you know, you've got to put on all the size to play football. We've seen a lot of players that end up making it to the league where they are not the biggest guys. I mean, you look at Devontae Smith, what he's doing over there for uh, Philadelphia. I mean, all around player and not the biggest size either, but, for health-wise and keeping him healthy throughout the season, yeah, he's going to have to put on some pounds and give him a little bit of cushion. So, Vendravis Jacobs, one of those players that I'm really looking forward to seeing once spring camp begins. Uh, another one, too, Kyle Morlock, a transfer tight end uh, from the D2 level. He One of the few things that really kind of stood out to me, number one, told us he feels like he's more of a traditional tight end. Um, you know, I – I was getting close to being able to ask him what what the size was. I think I'm the one of the only ones, maybe sometimes Zach will too from 247, but I always want to know what kind of size they're putting on because we looked at the numbers and he he had lost a significant amount of weight, D. Lou, and I'm wondering if he's going to get back up into that 250 range. Um, I forget what the exact one was last week. D. Lou, 235? 230, 230, I believe, and yeah. he was listed at 245 by Shorter in the fall, so 15-pound difference there as of now. Yeah, 15-pound difference. So I didn't have enough time really to get uh, that question to see what the plan is for him to put on some more size if that's going to be the case. But mentioned he's going to be a more traditional tight end, and you know a couple of the reporters are asking about Jaheim Bell, the difference in that. And you know it, it, he's not going to be utilized in that aspect. And uh, I'm really interested to see, too, what his mindset is going into this season where he's going to have another year of eligibility after this season. I want to see – kind of how the framework works for him and what Norvell is going to want to do with him. But, uh, you know, he said it's taken a little bit to get used to kind of the workouts, tour of duty. That's the, been the theme for every newcomer that we've seen. But the mentality, everything's been transparent from the coaching staff. Um, and he also mentioned, too, Jared Verse as being one of those guys that hosted him. Also, you know, kind of, you know, guiding him along with the visits. He's mentioned, too, he was at the UF game when he came and visited, said that was, you know, just a phenomenal time being able to see that in person and the whole game. I mean, what a, what a fun one to go to definitely with the rivalry ending with the crowd hitting the fields afterwards. But uh, you know, I think for a majority of these guys, the, the key thing that I've kind of the theme really just the mindset coming into work. And I think from a couple of years ago, a lot of guys came into it definitely for, under a Nor Norvell's program being kind of shocked with how hard it is getting acclimated to the process, the workouts, the how strict it is for academics, schedule, all that kind of stuff. Now guys are kind of, I don't, I don't want to say I don't, they're not used to it yet. They've only been here for a couple of weeks, but it, their mindset is there. Maybe their bodies aren't, but their mindset is there and they're coming in uh, to really get after it. And I think that's just been, a little bit of a different change, at least from what I've seen in interviews from last year to here. These guys are really looking forward to it. And that's what happens when you get 10 wins on a football field. Hell yeah. But still, I, I really like to see what Norvell's done in the recruiting, including bringing in transfers that have that mindset ready to ready to work. And they're not too shocked. They're not entirely shocked with the way Norvell is running this program right now. And it's interesting that you mentioned Jared Verse whenever it comes to kind of hosting Kyle Morlock on a couple of these visits to Tallahassee. Because if you think about it, I mean, he's kind of this recruiting cycles, Jared Verse for Florida State, a guy who's transitioning from a lower level of play. I mean, he's coming from even, even farther than the FCS level. He's coming from the D2 level all the way up to FBS. So this is quite the transition. 
Um, I think maybe, you know, he's not, he's a little bit less developed at the tight end position than probably Jared was over at the defensive end position coming over to Florida State. But regardless, a guy that has a lot of potential, I think it's going to be important for him to add this weight back up because you've seen what he can do as a receiver during his time over at Shorter College. He should be able to be a mismatch um, with that six foot seven frame, but it's going to also be important to see what he can do as a blocker for Florida State since Jaheim Bell is going to be a guy that they move around to multiple positions. You're going to need more of that stability blocking-wise out of Morlock. And it was interesting to hear him talk about the speed of the game. You know, that's one thing we don't talk about when he's when you're changing levels like this is how much you can acclimate to the speed of, you know, ACC Division One football. I think that's something that, that's got to be taken into consideration. And that, that tight end room has a lot more talent than it did last year. But he's still going to make a big impact if he can get caught up to speed. Yeah, he did mention Cam McDonald's season and also Mark Easton regarding Kyle Morlock. And I uh, said he was impressed with the way they played last year and liked the way it was. And you're hoping to see a little bit more of an advanced way to going into another season. But you did see a lot better play from those. But, you know, I don't think on the talent side of things of the magnitude you know, Cam and Marquison are not at that. You know, Marquison still, I think, has a little bit bigger of a ceiling than we first imagined. This would be an interesting spring to watch him, too, how he'll mix between Jaheim Bell, the different kind of Swiss Army knife he is, and then you've got a Kyle Morlock, which he's saying that he's more of a traditional type tight end where Marquison will fit in that. And I think it could fit very nicely. We'll, we'll see how, you know, we'll get our first glimpse into spring. But, uh, you know, I thought that was a good thing because I don't think – we were in the production meeting before we go into these rankings talking about the tight end room. I don't think that even going in, you know, going into this last year, we're like, Oh my goodness, the tight end room is going to be a threat against defense. That's not really how we've, we've pictured it. And it's been that way for years and years, to be honest. So for us now to maybe say, Oh, okay. Now we've got an even bigger upgrade with better talent. Uh, you know, there, there could be a significant difference in the way that Florida state's able to bring a threat to, opposing defenses in 2023 and that's one uh, reason that no oh, i was gonna say that's just one reason that florida state should have a lot of optimism that they're gonna field an elite offense in 2023 because you've got all this talent coming back at quarterback at running back at wide receiver along the offensive line and you know the tight ends they were better this year than i mean they were better in 2022 than in 2021 they did make some strides but still there were some problems with consistency and bringing in guys who are as talented as Jaheim Bell and Kyle Morlock to kind of fill the gap up there as the starters, while you still also have Mark Easton, who, like you said, we saw some real strides from this past season, coming back maybe as tight end number three. And, you know, Brian Courtney, Preston Daniels, some other guys, Jarrell Powers. Uh, we'll see about Jackson West coming back from that injury. Still some guys in that room. But you would think now at the top you're going to have some proven talent that contributes – more consistently on a game-to-game basis. And it's a, it's a ton of versatility. Like you can do so many different things with all these guys. Bell is a guy that's just an offensive weapon. You can play him in the backfield. You can play him out wide. Morlock's going to be your more traditional tight end. And, and then Marquise, and you can use him, use him as an inline blocker, but still be dangerous in like the screen game that we saw this year. So a ton of versatility that Norvell really hasn't had the chance to play with while he's been at Florida State, and now he has that opportunity. Tomorrow morning, we will be hearing for, from four more players, including big-time defensive lineman transfer who's going to make a, 
immediate impact into Florida State. Braden Fisk, the transfer from Western Michigan. We'll also be hearing from another big guy on the other side of the ball, offensive lineman transfer from Auburn, Keandre Jones. And then we'll be hearing from Quindarius Jones. Again, all the Joneses tomorrow. Quindarius <laughs> Jones and also Jaden Jones. So we're going to go ahead and get all the Jones wiped out tomorrow morning. Uh, I'm really looking forward to that that first interview with Braden Fisk and really pick his brain on what it really intrigued him. Cause there was a lot of schools after him, D Lou and VZ there, there was a lot of schools across the country that were trying to get them to join their squad, but ends up picking Odell Hagens to ride with. And, you know, I also want to pick his brain on, you know, Fabian love and how much of a factor him coming back will play with him. You know, I, I just really want to see, what he's what his game plan is going into this 2023 season and maybe if we'll get any kind of update to health wise and his availability going into the spring but I feel like that's going to be a pretty good interview and I know that you're really high on Jaden Jones D. Lou that's another guy that we're keeping an eye on health wise coming back from that knee injury mm-hmm. how much will he be available in the spring coming up because it's not too far away That'll be something important to uh, figure out tomorrow morning with Jaden Jones. He's been making that comeback from an ACL injury since I, I believe in September was when he suffered the injury and ended up having surgery. By all accounts, you know, from what he's told us while speaking, uh, you know, with me on a couple interviews and also during his official visit, he's ahead of schedule at this point. is expected to be out there in a limited capacity this spring, but he's told us multiple times that he thinks he'll be fully cleared for contact. Uh, before Florida State begins fall camp. So that would mean he will have a chance to kind of make an impact, and we'll see what he does, if he can break into that defensive end rotation. But, yeah, a guy with a lot of potential, and, yeah, his best playing days are definitely ahead of him once he comes back from that injury. Ms. Caroline from Facebook asking, has the spring game been announced yet as to when it will be? We have not had an official announcement yet, but you can usually start aligning things up with recruiting weekends and such, Dustin. And I think it's going to be around that. It usually is around that mid-April mark there. There's all, yep. There is a beautiful April 15th on a Saturday. What do you think maybe the date could potentially be here? Yeah, you kind of nailed it. From From what I understand right now, a tentative date to look out for is actually April 15th for that spring game. So, Nothing official at this time from Florida State, but that's just something I would keep an eye on moving forward. You know, like you said, we're getting close to spring, probably only, you know, about five or six weeks out from Florida State getting back onto the practice fields. And I would assume that we'll know before then when the spring game uh, date will actually be. But yeah, in that mid-April range is exactly when that'll happen. And then I don't, I don't know if we've talked about it yet, Logan, but You've actually got the 2023 schedule release coming up on January 30th. Obviously, Florida State already knows all of its 2023 opponents, and they know the non-conference um, dates for games, but they're going to learn their entire schedule um, on January 30th, all the conference dates and, and when the games will be and such. So that'll be big. Yeah, we might want to do we'll, – we'll try to come up with some good content for you guys on that. Either we'll get a reaction video for YouTube or we'll do a live – something like that to go ahead and give a rundown on that because I don't want to be two days late because um, we can always recap on Wednesday, but uh, two days later just seems too late. So we'll, 
we'll, we'll figure out something to where he'll probably be here on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, definitely if you listen to our podcast on iTunes, all that kind of stuff. Spotify, we'll get you guys coverage on our thoughts of what Florida State's 2023 schedule will look like because there is a lot of storylines going into it, but just depending on the scheduling here, it could really play a major factor in Florida State's ACC run and then what it seems like a, a potential playoff run uh, that they're they're keying in on. So we'll Definitely. have full coverage on that on Monday night. I would not have brought it up if I knew that was going to be more work for me. So I <laughs> wish to take that back. Yeah, you should have never said anything, even though I did literally just spend like 30 minutes on Mark Rogers show talking about it. I'm just like all over the place. And it just seems so quick like this. It just goes to show, man, things can change. And before you know it, spring practices will be begin. But honestly, the break has been nice a tad, but I am itching to get back out there to the practice fields. Definitely whenever you've got a team like this performing at its level, it is very fun to cover at this time. So a little bit diff- different than years past, I'll be honest with you guys. Uh, let, let's jump into some recruiting, d because we kind of hinted at it at the beginning of the show, but it seems like maybe there could be some good news coming, or you think there is, you know, this is personal opinion on your side of things, but Florida state seems to be in a really good spot for a talented wide receiver from Fort Myers. Uh, from Dunbar, Dunbar high school. Is that now is know, that in Fort Myers? I don't know maps, bro, but That wasn't even what I was going to start off with. I was going to talk about junior day first. But, yeah, anyway, Florida State. Yeah. Currently, from what we understand, trending for four-star wide receiver Tawaski Abrams, who is set to make an announcement tomorrow afternoon. He recently announced a top eight that included Florida State, um, LSU, Texas A&M, some other Power 5 schools across the country. And he was actually recently on campus this past weekend for a junior day, a two-day visit where he arrived on Friday, had some chance to spend some personal time with the coaches before the event kicked off on Saturday, and and there were a lot more bodies on campus. So he was able to spend ample time um, with wide receivers coach Ron Dugans, and was really a guy, um, a speedster, someone who has some serious wheels. Um, Reminds me a lot of just, you know, a a previous example here from the the recent past, Ontario Wilson actually – little bit of a smaller guy but shifty some like I said some real speed and also someone who has terrific hands and and can go downfield and make big time catches Uh, so yeah we'll see what happens there he coming out of the visit he said that Florida State was in the lead um, for him at the time but he wasn't planning to announce a commitment until the summer now he's moved that announcement up to Thursday and like I said tomorrow afternoon we'll see what happens but right now I would go with the Seminoles in this one and then outside of that, Florida State hosting its second junior day um, of the year last Saturday. A lot of talent in Tallahassee. Multiple commitments, including Luke Cromanhawk, Cam Davis, Camden Fryer, C.J. Hurd, and Keyshawn Mashburn. So five current pledges were able to get on campus for the first time this year. Uh, everything going pretty well there for the most part. This is the first time that C.J. Hurd was able to meet with Patrick Sertain in person. And by all accounts, that meeting went extremely well. And despite Marcus Woodson moving on, he remains locked in with Florida State. Same thing with Luke Cromanhawk and and Cromanhawk and Cam Davis. Seems like they might take some visits to other schools, but nothing currently set up at this time. And and they both remain pretty solid with the Seminoles 
um, at this juncture. And then, yeah, I think the big thing to note, just, man, Florida State, getting a lot of talented defensive backs on campus, especially in recent weeks, ever since that hire of Patrick Sertain was announced just over the weekend. You know, I mentioned C.J. Hurd, but you also had Ricky Knight, a player that FSU recently offered, come through. Jarvis Boatwright, a four-star in-state prospect. Xavier Lucas from down at South Florida, Dillard High School. And also a guy who I really like here, a trending prospect, Isaiah Thomas, who's from Clearwater Academy International, the same high school as Lucas Simmons, Florida State, kind of getting involved there over that high school. They, they've also offered offensive lineman Jason Zandamella, who I feel like is trending to Florida State at this time. But Isaiah, Isaiah Thomas, I don't just like him because of the name, Austin. He's also a six foot three, um, almost 200 pound safety who, I mean, man, despite his length and wingspan, which apparently is about six foot eight, he's very shifty, very elusive, has good instincts on the football field. Doesn't currently have a ranking, but it wouldn't surprise me if he gets a four-star billing as this uh, recruiting cycle kind of goes on. And man, I feel like I've been talking up here forever, but another big time development for Florida State over the weekend uh, five-star tight end, one of the top players in the 2024 class, Landon Thomas, back at Florida State for a visit. That name kind of rings a bell a little bit. Thomas formally committed to Florida State in uh, 2021 before backing off that commitment a couple of months later. He's actually currently pledged to the in-state Georgia Bulldogs, but regardless, it seems like Florida State really pushing to get back involved in this one, and he has said that he, you know, plans to use an official visit to Florida State as well as Georgia, and those are kind of the two teams on his mind right now. So we'll see if Florida State can continue to catch up there with the Bulldogs over the spring. Um, and outside of that, top 100 uh, defensive end Dylan Stevenson, four-star defensive lineman LJ McCray, and four-star defensive tackle Omar White all came through Tallahassee, had some good things to say about Florida State. Um, I mentioned Jason Zandamella and just jumping over to 2025 real quick. I mean, man, just never ends <laughs> over in the 2025 class, Florida State beginning to trend for um, quarterback Tramel Jones Jr. Uh, he's one of the best in that class so far. And Florida State really has liked him a lot ever since he came to FSU in July to throw out the Seminole Showcase for Coach Tokars. They, they actually extended him an offer that day and he's coming off a standout junior season was on campus this past weekend and really connected with the coaches and they've kind of made it seem like to him that he's the number one uh, want on their board at this time in that class and you also had five-star defensive end Zion Grady and five-star defensive tackle Justice Terry who's also committed to Georgia come through Tallahassee as well so I mean man the building just in and out all day on Saturday with talent from the Florida area, from the South Georgia area. I think you're really starting to see the the payoff of that 10-win season. These guys, I mean, a lot of the guys that showed up, I would say maybe wouldn't have been here uh, last year, especially at this juncture of the recruiting cycle. You know, it's really early for Florida State to be getting these kind of types. And I didn't even mention top 100 linebacker Edwin Spillman out of Tennessee. I mean, that was one that kind of surprised us. He dropped through on Friday. So things uh, beginning to develop very early for Florida State in this 2024 class, and they're also already spreading their wings to that 2025 class, and it all begins again on a 
Friday. More guys will start trickling in Friday. They'll have another junior day on Saturday. I think a couple guys on Sunday as well, and then dead period throughout February. Mm. Yeah, the whole thing. I, I was literally going to bring up a question starting off Shoot. Uh, with the 2024 wide receiver. Uh, one thing that I think Florida State is going to add to this offense to make it you know, a little bit bigger of a threat in one way is speed. You lose Ontario Wilson, and I'm wondering who's going to take that top-end speed to break up and the back end of that defense and who they're playing against. Who, who's going to take that speed? I understand Ja'Kai Douglas, and he did that two years ago. Didn't see much of it this year. Didn't get to come into the season till later. So maybe that had to play a part and also was fooling around at the running back position, but there was no reason to have him in there with how much talent they already had. So they jump him back out to wide receiver. But I'm wondering, you know, kind of having a, a speed guy coming in these upcoming classes, who that will end up being because Ikeem Williams is not that in my opinion. Um, I, I, maybe Jacobs, but I, I don't know if he's got, you know, I, he definitely has, he has speed, but I'm just wondering, you know, sometimes a, a speed guy like that can really change, can really change the outcome of a game, man. It can change it just like that with the dude that's uh, speed. We see it all across the country, man. But I, I'm just wondering, that's one thing that I think Florida State, Mike Norvella, they're, going to want to add to this offense to make it a little bit give them a little bit more of a variety um not that they don't have enough talent in different areas i mean going into this year we're going to talk about it in a lot of our offseason previews this offense is going to be very fun to watch but imagine you have a speedster off to the side that you can utilize and, and just break one open that's something i think florida state is going to want to have on the offensive side to add on soon. And I just wonder recruiting wise who that might be. And we'll find out tomorrow, but that's 2024. That's not going to impact this upcoming season. Um, I'm just, I'm just kind of just picturing what I think, what my Norvell is going to do moving forward. I'm just trying to help him out here. Now that we had Derek Ray, Florida State general manager on last week, I'm just trying to get a job onto the staff. I'll be honest with you. So Derek, uh, make sure you add to that Excel sheet. Someone's, very fast because I'm just trying to think about Jakai Douglas. I mean, I feel like that's the only one now because Ontario Wilson has gone and Ontario Wilson. You go back to the LSU game, man, that changed the game for them. Um, and he did that multiple times throughout the year, but you know that was a go-to guy for Jordan Travis to, you know, long shot, deep ball, and stride for Ontario Wilson. That man that could put up points quick for you and you know we like mm-hmm. we we see norvell do that he'll he'll run it he'll run it then boom out of nowhere he's gonna have an explosive play set up i'm just wondering who's gonna be his go tight go-to guy in the future for this offense i hear you and yeah yeah i think jakai fits that role you know maybe micah he's not as he's not as shifty or speedy as a jakai yeah. but i think he fits the role just you know with his body type Bondravius to me is someone that can stretch the field very well goldie lawrence as well but you know those guys those two guys probably well, won't contribute much I'm, out of the gate you know who i'm missing here because this room is so big what about no. deuce what about deuce span okay i thought you were gonna say Destin hill but no god no. <laughs> i thought it was going there too i'm i'm over the whole i will <laughs> we will not as a show be bringing up the whole Destin hill we're done with the whole thing i know we got a comment up there about him but it never ends, but I will not be bringing up Destin until we see him and <laughs> this if that happens in the spring. But no, maybe Deuce. Maybe Deuce, Deuce definitely fits the mold. He's just a that might be guy. the guy I'm looking for here. That might be definitely a bigger guy, but the speed wise, it's ridiculous. I mean, oh. he, he can separate quick. 
Winston Wright. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of names in that room. It's a lot of names. I, there's there. Miss Carol, Miss Carol might be onto something here. We might need to add her onto the show and get us right. But get us right, get it. But it's actually Good. funny because while we were talking to uh, Tawaski Abrams, you know, during the end of his visit, he was interviewing while he was going out. He actually mentioned a little bit how Ron Dugans was talking to him about he fits he fits in as a I guess what they call a two man or the two role at, at the wide yeah. receiver position. You know, Florida State kind of has a way where they break everything up by body type and skill set. And he just kind of fits in maybe even as, as a slot receiver with that speed. And they've even talked to him potentially about a future on special teams as well, maybe at the returner spots. So Florida State, like I said, trending well for this one. We'll see how it goes whenever um, Abrams makes that announcement on Thursday afternoon. But Florida State, a dream school growing up for him, just recently had him on campus. And he did call the Seminoles his leader coming out of that trip. Sweet. It's a good sign. So we'll keep an eye out for that tomorrow at 3 p.m. So make sure you guys stay tuned to NoGameDay.com. Make sure you're following us on Twitter and following Dustin. We will make sure that news gets out to you guys immediately once that becomes known. Uh, anything else-wise before we jump into these position reigns? Anything jump up? I know we got a few Knowles that are going to their AFC and NFC Conference championships, obviously. Josh Sweat with the Eagles will be competing. Dustin, Dustin doesn't care about Josh Sweat. He's shrugging. He hates Josh Sweat. He hates the That's season crazy. that he had. Josh Sweat got snubbed though. Josh Sweat should got have been snubbed. a bowler. Yep, he he'll probably it. end up being an injury replacement or something, though. I would imagine. Not unless they're in the Super Bowl. Mm. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> Isn't that crazy though? Like you're not a pro bowler, but I guess you'd get this. I mean, I would way rather want the freaking Super Bowl. I don't give a shit. Oh yeah, I'd I'd rather. <laughs> I don't give a yeah, shit. I'd rather play in the Super Bowl than a flag football game. Yeah. Well, it's just if yeah, you earn if you earn your spot on the Pro Bowl team and then make the Super Bowl, they shouldn't be like, all right, you're not a Pro Bowler now. You should still get the honor. Well, that's why I see, that's why I got snubbed. Look at it that way, he got snubbed. Um, who else am I missing? We literally talked about this. Derek Naughty with the Chiefs. Oh yeah, Naughty. What a career, turning, man. Yeah, turning a good career so far. Who would have ever thought Derek Naughty would be at the magnitude that he has as a starting? Like I, I, I sort of forget he is a starting defensive tackle for the Kansas City Chiefs, a team that is a powerhouse, one of if not the best in the league the last couple of years. They're also cheap on defense, which is why it's easy to keep Derek Naughty in there on his rookie deal. <laughs> and they are little cheap <laughs> bastards. <laughs> but yeah, Naughty car- carving out a nice little role for himself. And honestly, it's not really a surprise to me that he's found his way into a starting role in the NFL just because he was a really solid option here um, in Tallahassee for the Seminoles for a couple of years. And even bigger than that was always one of those guys who I felt like was having an impact on the culture and on, on the team off the field. And I think that's something that helps benefit guys at the professional level as well. They want these good guys in the locker room like Derek Nottie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When I think about Derek Nadi, I think of a guy that's impactful and impactful in games. He saw him against that Clemson against Clemson back during his time um, would make big time stops in the middle there and uh, taking on two guys and, you know, uh, extremely strong. I'm interested to see what they're going to end up doing with him, but much deserving all the, all the accolades and 
the you know recognition I think needs to be sent a little bit more for him for the career that he's having maybe wasn't so expected from the few looking in uh let's uh what about what about predictions though between these AFC matchups we've got uh, we got some good ones. We got the Bengals traveling over to Kansas City to go face the Derek Noddies. And then on the other side, on the other side, I don't know which game is better, but we've got uh, the Eagles and the 49, 49ers, 49ers going to Philadelphia to face on the Josh Sweats. I, I don't, I'm, the, the better game is the Chiefs Bengals. Right? Those games just keep delivering. Just time. They do time the again. AFC, the, yeah, the AFC ones usually do. Whereas as, I, as good of know, a story as, as as good of a story as Brock Purdy is with the 49ers, it's Brock Purdy. Like it's hard to get excited about him. If you go back, I you know, probably y'all all saw it on social media, but you know, their last matchup against each other on the college level. Yeah, it was 40. We should 41. see it's a little bit different than the NFL, I'll be honest. Yeah, we get that. But everybody's hoping for something like that. That would be awesome. Because I think that's like you said, Austin. I think we're gonna probably get that on the AFC game but on the nfc side that's kind of a toss-up but you know it's 49ers talent is every friggin where if all of, if, if they just have one night where that clicks if that all of that clicks I, I i don't know how anybody can stop them but that just depends though can it all click at once and then out of nowhere like, oh wait yeah kittle is still a damn good tight end oh dang yeah oh they have christian mccaffrey oh okay that's fine oh debo samuel all right i mean like what what are we doing here? And the defensive side too, one of the strongest in the NFL. Like if everything clicks there, then it should be a good game going against the Eagles, who I think are extremely, you know, extremely talented. They got the offensive line, one of, if not the best in the NFL. I don't know. It, it just seems like everything's pretty smooth and seamless for the Eagles. Someone's just going to have to give, the 49ers are going to have to give them a better threat. Um, I'm going to go, oh, I can't do that. Everything's telling me the 49ers. My gut's telling me 49ers, so I'm going to go 49ers upset in Philadelphia. And then – Nailed it. Yeah, I think that's going to happen. And then yeah. – Chi- Everything's telling me Chiefs, dude. Everything kind of seems fine for them. I, I don't think the Bengals nope. run is going to last any longer. The Joe Burrow nope. thing. Didn't nail it. That was as far – That was as far as she goes. I'm going to go – I'm going to go Chiefs 49ers. Nope. It's gonna, it's gonna be a rematch of what was it? Super Bowl twenty Super Bowl twenty three, nineteen eighty nine. Forty ers beat the Bengals. I I, I'm taking a rematch. Uh Joe Burrow's gonna go win again in Burrowhead. That's his stadium now. It's not the Chiefs Stadium. That is his stadium now. Uh and I, I just I think Burrowhead. the 49ers I think the 49ers defensively are too talented. Just playmakers all over the field. Um, really, their only weakness is their corners. But when you got a pass rush with Bosa and you got a linebacker like Fred Warner, makes up for a lot of issues on the back end. Um, see, I'm, I'm taking a rematch of that 1989 Super Bowl, which was a really, really fun one. Yeah, I don't remember that game very well, fondly. We weren't alive, but you know, don't you remember watch, that one. When you watch the replays on NFL Network, Beasy's acting like that game was two years ago. You know, that was a good one back just a couple <laughs> years ago. Good. Looking for a rematch. <laughs> It's, it's technically a rematch. Technically. Was that black and white? Did they have color then? Yeah. They have color. It was, it was the catch at the end of the game. But I, I agree with Austin. I think uh, the two former Seminoles are going to go home this weekend. Give me Cincinnati. I think they're going to pull that out in Kansas City. And to me, San Francisco is playing about as well as anybody 
in the entire league. And as long as Brock Purdy doesn't screw it up, I think they're going to win the Super Bowl as well. Whoa, wow. Going straight forward like that. We're skipping beats here. Okay. People are not going to be waiting until your prediction in February. I'll make a new prediction and say Joe Burrow is going to win. (laughs) Keep switching it up. Keep switching it up. Yeah, put it in the chat what you guys think will be the ending for these games. But I'm just hoping for good football, man. As long as Philly doesn't win, that's all I care about. (laughs) Yeah, I I don't have a major problem with them. Timmy Jernigan's no longer there, but Josh Sweat's just, there, and I pull for Josh Sweat. So it's an annoying fan base. Leave it at that. Yeah, no, I do like the song "Dreams and Nightmare" though. Shout out Meek Mill. Um, I did enjoy that during their Super Bowl run. Good song. Uh, why are you laughing, VZ? Why are you laughing? I just, I just like that's that's why that's your uh, reference point with the Eagles. It's Meek Mill. <laughs> that was a hype. Like pregame that they had on the video. That was awesome. That was great. But I always think of Meek Mill for some reason. I think Philly, so I'm thinking that. I mean, y'all probably think of like Embiid, Joel Embiid, maybe. I don't I, I don't know what else to think about the I think, I think cheese Philly cheesesteaks. Yeah, yeah cheese I guess steak, Philly cheesesteaks, yeah. Yeah. It seems about the right. Liberty Bell. <laughs> you know, history. <laughs> I'm actually surprised you said that because I know you were not listening in history class. So I don't know where that just came history from. History is the only nowhere. class that I listen in, actually. History class, I will say Incredible. history was awesome. I still, I still... Well, I didn't think of the freaking Liberty <laughs> Bell. Come on now. I didn't think of the freaking liter- Liberty Bell. I did not do that. If we're going to keep going, we can say Rocky. Like, just, Let's just keep going. Yeah, Rocky. Cool things up there. Rocky. Punching some meat. What? That's what he did. He like punched frozen meat. <laughs> oh goodness gracious! Yeah, so we should probably escape this conversation as we usually do when we get off topic. So, Miss um, Carol's rep- uh, bringing up Philly pretzels. I'm not a big pretzel a person. Thing? Yeah, I didn't know that was a thing. But maybe they're good up there in Philly. I'll have to ask uh, my resident Philly friend. Yeah, I-, I hate it though. We get to this time now where. We're- we're almost done with football season. Does it not feel like it has gone by so damn quickly to you guys? Like it is about to be over, over like college football is over. That felt like a long time ago. College football is over. And now NFL is about to be over. Like this is like, we're going into the worst time of the year. I'm glad we can over. (laughs) I mean, the break. Yeah. Mentally. I I could not do the, all this recruiting and the season at the same time. My head would pop. (laughs) Well, I think it's saddening. I think it's sad because I don't want to watch NBA basketball and bet on NBA basketball. And then baseball well, comes. Like I'm not going, watching. You're baseball. going to anyways, though. You're going to bet I am on basketball going to. anyways. I am. Let's get to the Russian basketball. soccer days. <laughs> hey, hey, I've 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 gotten kind of close one night, but I, I stopped myself. I, I slapped myself. Stop it. Stop it. It's three a.m. Go to bed. Uh, and then I. You know, hockey's still out there. I enjoy hockey. There's a little bit of physicality in that. NBA, you flick someone, they're they're crying. I'm enjoying, like, all the fighting that's going on with Shannon Sharp. Like, it's actually entertaining me a little bit. They should have more of that. They should have, like, more Pat Beverly chipping up. I I love it. I think that should be more of the NBA. They should allow more, like, maybe, like, one fist fight a game or something, just like the NHL, to make it more intriguing to watch. It's funny you bring that up because – Travis Kelsey just brought that up on his podcast saying if he could ch- change any NFL role, he'd have one fight per game. <laughs> it's 
Travis Kelsey, great minds think alike, my guy. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's a sad part of the year, though. Sad part. We say goodbye to football. All right, let's jump into some position rankings, guys. We're going to go through these. We're going to start from bottom to top. We've got a screen that we're going to pull up here right now for you guys. So you will be fully in. Why am I this. first? I also want to hear from the comp. That's how it's first. been. Where you go first, and then we go backwards, and we go that way. Well, Austin, how much? Logan, Austin, and Austin, Logan, Dustin, Dustin, Logan. Austin. Somehow I just end up being in the middle, but that's just how yeah, it worked out. Somehow the guy who created the sheet put himself in the middle. That's how. <laughs> Someone Douche had to bag. create the sheet, and that's the perks of creating the sheet. You put kind of your allotment of where you're at. Well, I'm protesting the, the sheet. Well, you can protest it all <laughs> you want. <laughs> Good lord. Uh, yeah, how so we're going to start detail, from bottom to top. How much detail gonna, are we talking here? Let me tell the, the audio listeners here. So we're going by position group, defensive end, interior defensive line, linebacker, cornerback, safety. That's all defense. Offensively, we're going quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end, and offensive line. And then we're going to keep special teams just all conjumbled up, and we'll be ranking that. So uh, we're not going to go sp- into specifics of kick return, punt return, kicker, punter, yada, yada, I'll yada. give you a hint. You won't have to wait long to hear special teams called. <laughs> well dang there you go i mean i'm not gonna lie hey the special teams were pretty good outside of one facet so i, I know let, I'm not, I'm let, not... let's just get to it here we go yeah we'll we got, talk we got about a long way to go let's, all right let's so let's start off with number 11 here we're going with 11 rank it i know on the excel sheet it shows 12 but it's 11 dustin who do you have as the Worst position group of the 2022 season. Tight ends. Ooh, tight ends. Cam McDonald, Marquise and Douglas. You are not good enough for Dustin Lewis. Some improvements there, but like I alluded to earlier, just not enough consistency. Uh, feel like when your top player in your rotation tops out at just over 300 yards receiving, that's probably – not a great thing. And you think about it, you know, they dealt with some injuries as well. Jackson West, not available for the entire year. Um, Brian Courtney, some interesting potential there, but not yet tapped. And yeah, didn't really see a ton out of Preston Daniel as well. There were some impactful moments. Not enough for me though. Uh, I'm, I'm, it's either that or, 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 That's 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 where mine is at too. I'm at tight ends. I, I was gonna be, be in between tight ends. You're a copier, um, and then cornerback. But I've got tight. I'm not. I promise to God. I've got my. You said you said quarterback. You said quarterback. No, no he, God. He said <laughs> yeah, Jordan Travis, you suck. All right, actually, don't clip that. <laughs> don't clip that. Do not clip that. We will not have him on the show again. Now, <laughs> this is all. That was sarcasm. That was sarcasm. Austin. Please move on before I get canceled. Uh, I was going to go with something else, but I will also go tight ends. Um, <laughs> I think we were expecting we were expecting more out of this group coming into the year. And then Kevin McDonald just – he didn't live up to what we all thought he could be. He had four drops on just 36 targets. Um, and while we did see improvements out of Marquise and Douglas, it's not enough to keep this position group out of last place. Yeah. I, you know, I like – 
both y'all said consistency, consistency. So Marquise and Douglas was probably the biggest, it was the biggest, you know, surprise and good thing that came out of the season, at least in that tight end room to me. I just don't think much changed out of Cam McDonald's play throughout the last two years, I'll be honest, in his career. So yeah, like there were some big time drops this season from Cam McDonald, man, some, some hurtful ones. So, but I really liked what I saw from Cam and we'll see going into 2024 or 2023, how that will change. Let's go into the second to worst position group of the year. And Austin, you'll start us going that way. Oh, wow. so I will, I will take special teams here uh, strictly because of kicker. Uh, I thought, I thought punting was fine. You know, we got a kick return touchdown from Trey Benson. Uh, they they made improvements in the coverage side of things, but Fitzgerald was so bad, and it it really impacted how Norvell called games, where they're playing to go for f- fourth downs instead of kicking, you know, a forty-seven yarder to get points, mm-hmm. and you know that cost points like at NC State. Um, so yeah, taking special teams here. I'm uh, I'm actually uh, I'm trying to get out of this now because I said either cornerback. You already said it. You already said it. Nah, yeah, I'm not going back on it. I'm not going back on it. Here's the deal. Let me tell you something real quick. I am a Renardo Green fan. A lot of people talking immediately after season. Let's move him back to safety. What are we doing? Just keep a guy where he needs to be. He was your solidified best corner this last season. But after that, there was a lot of question marks and a lot of open, wide open guys that I wasn't a big fan of. Um, and I, I think there's a lot to like with the upcoming year with Azure Thomas. You're obviously bringing in Cypress, but just too much inconsistency there. And I didn't really like that. And I, you know, between that and special teams, I'm, I'm close here between that second to last spot but cornerback gets that for me i just don't think it's hard it's hard to rank this so low when i thought renardo green impressed me of having a true first season there at a corner position and i think he'll he'll be even better going into year two he thought he brought down a lot of physicality and tackles um didn't have to talk about him a ton after games because he was in good coverage tight coverage but other than that it just goes to show on the other side of the field, it hurt them quite a bit. So that's why I have them down as the second worst of the 2022 season. D. Lou, what do you have? Mark me down for defensive tackles. Interior? Ooh. Defensive tackles. That'd be inside. It's the same thing. I don't. Holy just you my about God. What you hate about why are you typing that much? Uh, for me, it just felt like, and, you know, we were kind of talking in the. In the pre-production meeting Austin brought it up too but whenever this group was without Fabian Lovett I mean they really struggled when it came to I mean basically all situations but especially stopping the run Uh, just think back to that first game whenever you know Lovett went down on the final drive against LSU Florida State had the bye week goes into Louisville so think about all the preparation they had before that matchup and Louisville ran all over them from the beginning of that game to the end. I mean, they made Malik Cunningham look like Lamar Jackson at at times. And then throughout the season, you know, especially during that losing streak, felt like the interior defensive line really underperformed in some crucial situations against Wake Forest and 
North Carolina State. And in the bowl game, Fabian Lovett out again. And Oklahoma is out there just running right down their throat all night with four starters out on the offensive line, their top running back out. So it just wasn't pretty um, on the inside for FSU whenever Lovett wasn't in the lineup. And I think that's why we saw them go to the portal this offseason to address those needs to build some better depth at the top of the unit, the unit, and also to add some more young and promising youthful talent to the bottom of it. But yeah, it was just a disappointing, I feel like a disappointing senior campaign for Robert Cooper. Um, Jared Jackson, you know, started the season in the rotation and by the end of it was on the bench and now is transferred to Michigan state. Malcolm Ray was solid up until he started dealing with a, a shoulder injury that limited, limited him throughout the year. You're still seeing the potential from Joshua Farmer. So we'll see what happens with this unit, but I, I think there's definitely some improvements that have to be, na- be made before 2023. Isn't it crazy? Would you ever thought that before the season you'd be ranking Florida State's interior defensive line as the second worst? I mean, I, I said I said before the season I wasn't as high on the interior of the line as y'all were. I wasn't as high on the on the depth of it. Well, yeah, I wasn't as high on the depth of it, but I thought it'd be more impactful. I would say during the season, and it really goes to show once you lose Fabian Lovett, you're in. It's just it was just outside hands. of that outside of that top two, which which we'll talk about more in a second when I come outside of those top two with with Lovett and Cooper. I just I really didn't like the depth behind it, and we liked the young pieces in that room. Um, but they still got a little ways to go before they make a real impact. Jared Jackson was a big letdown. Yeah, he just – he wasn't it. Yeah, Simple and, as that. And, and you kind of knew where you were going to get out of Robert Cooper. It's been the same theme for last two, three years. So. And I think I think Cooper was pretty beat up throughout the year too. Yeah, he was the only one lasting after all that. I'm surprised he did. Uh, let's. So you uh, you start us off going back around, D-Lo. Yeah, you start us going back around. I'll go. I'll go next. How about this? I go next. <laughs> I I'm going special teams since everybody already kind of knows that. I'm going special <laughs> teams in here. I don't think it's as terrible. Easy's thinking. I don't think it's second worst. But I think uh, we got to remember Trey Benson first kick return touchdown since Kermit Whitfield. Got to add that in there. That puts me up another spot, another notch in there. I thought Micah Pittman just holding on to the ball. That's all I need as a punt returner. And Florida State's history just when that's the, the standard it. It, when the standard is holding on to the ball on punt returns that's not a good thing that's <laughs> why they're, what it is that's why they're bottom two <laughs> that's sadly what it is that's sadly what it is. Well, I'm not like i'm not too far away i'm just only one spot away from you i'm not six spots away <laughs> to, to me it was a, i thought his returns were better to me it was an um, easy bottom two and then it got a little bit better from there um i just i just wasn't impressed I, the yeah. punting was fine for the most part but every now and then master mod have a punt that goes like seven yards I'll tell you what, I don't – I wasn't pleased outside of Trey Benson at kick return. Nothing else really pleased. I mean, they got to find an answer, I think, going into this next season on That's at, what I'm saying. at kick return. they got, they got to find it because Trey Benson can't be the guy all the time after well, – he, he won't be. He'll be starting at running back, and he did multiple games that, that way, and they put him back there at kick return. But I, first off, don't want to risk Trey Benson being back there. But it, I think it's going to be one of those that they only use him when they absolutely need to. If like they need a big play in the return game, I don't yeah. think he's going to be the primary option. But you might see him, you know, once a game back there. Yeah, and then you already talked about kicking. Yeah, that hurts them whenever they're going to have to go on fourth down, and you can't just kick a forty-five year five forty-five yard field goal. That hurts you quite a bit. And points ended up being a pretty big factor in some of those losses. 
that Florida State had in that three-game losing stretch. So having some field goals uh, would change a lot of things. And also, if you think about it, when you miss those field goals, that also gives the opponent pretty good pretty yeah. good field position too. So, yeah, I think we're on the same boat there, King-wise. And Mastromano, you just keep on punting. I don't have any analysis for you. You just keep on doing what you're doing. Punt, punt far. Just punt, punt far and punt high. high. Yeah, punt, 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 punt high, high and far with a lot of speed, a lot of speed. All right, go uh, ahead, Dustin. You can mark me down for special teams for this one as well. You know, I thought the the kickoff coverage and punt coverage for Florida State this season was pretty excellent for the most part. You know, there were a couple that they let break loose. The one that comes to mind for me is the return by Will Shipley right after halftime against Clemson where he put the Tigers right back into scoring position with, I think that was the longest kick return that Florida State ended up giving up all year. But, I mean, for the most part, you know, you think about Wyatt Rector and Brendan Gant going down on those position units with reckless abandon, getting those – forcing those fumbles, recovering them against LSU. There were some impactful plays um, made there. Like Austin said, Mastermano, pretty solid for the most part, but every now and then there was definitely a a shank, and there was at least one that was in pretty – a pretty dire moment for Florida State. I can't recall <laughs> the exact one, but I remember at the time I was like, Jesus, a nine-yard punt or whatever. I, I want to say it was Clemson. I could be way off. It, it might have been. I mean, it was one, It was during that stretch, I feel yeah. like. <laughs> and then, yeah, Trey Benson, positive there. Micah Pittman, positive. And then I feel like, you know, the, the slump from Ryan Fitzgerald really just brings this unit down um, near the bottom. But thankfully he was able to redeem himself with that game winner. Uh, yeah, I guess you're up next, Austin, <clears throat> for I, your third worst. I'm going to take the interior defensive line here. Okay. Um, like, like we already mentioned when Dustin brought them up, once Fabian Lovett went down for, what was it, those four or five games, they just could not stop anything. And I, I keep going back to the NC State game where Devin Leary goes down in the first half and they bring in a quarterback who can only run the football. I don't think he can throw a forward pass more than six yards. And they're just getting six, seven yards of play every sure. single time. Um, yeah. If it wasn't for that game, it might have been bumped up a spot, but that game alone puts them third worst in my mind. Check the comments real quick. Tom actually just brought up the moment, the NC State game where Mastrano yeah. could have ran for the first down oh, or punted and then a, got confused and punted after he <laughs> ran past line of scrimmage. So, yeah, I do remember that. Whew. I know now looking at it, you're like, oh, 10 win season, but there was a lot of silly mistakes and a lot of the players after the season mentioning a lot of self-inflicted wounds that hurt Florida State in these games, which they felt like they should have won. Um, I'm, I'm BZ, you want to bring right. us back around? Yep, I'm going to take the corners here. Okay. Um, I'm, a, I'm a little bit higher on them than, than you are, Logan. Okay. Um, I, I really like what we got out of Greedy Vance this season. The second half of the season, he was he was pretty good. Um, Renardo Green was also very good, especially in that LSU game. Uh, did a phenomenal job shutting Bertie down. And then, uh, honestly, Jerry and Jones was quietly solid. Um, he, he would let up a play here and there, but compared to what he's been the last two seasons, he was he was fairly solid. Um, the only reason they're this low is because Amarion Cooper and, and Kevin Knowles weren't quite the same players that they were last season. Um, and, and hopefully they can turn that corner going into this season. Gotcha. I'll take it. I'll take it right there. Uh, I'm up next here and I've got a lot of, a lot of strong thoughts. I'll be honest with you. A lot of strong thoughts. I've got 
two that I'm mixing up here, but I'm going to go and finally go into your defensive line. Uh, we don't need to keep on saying the same thing over and over again. But, uh, yeah, Jared Jackson, I'm mad at you. I was expecting a lot more from you this season. Let's just be honest with you. I'm mad. Didn't even say goodbye to me. Didn't say goodbye to anybody. You just head out. Just up and left. Yep, just Ghanis. Bye-byes. Uh, you know, still has a lot of coaching there to do for him. But, yeah, I major just, I don't know, not not so f- – not so pleased there with that interior defensive line whenever Fabian Lovett went out and allowing some of these teams just to run up your you-know-what uh, just because you lost Fabian Lovett was just pitiful. And, you know, that goes on to – it just goes on to Odell too. You know, that, that's, that, that can't be the case if something like this happens next season where, God forbid, something happens to Lovett or, you know, Fizz, something like that. Some of these guys in the back end have got to step up and, and – you know, Malcolm Ray, I was expecting a little bit more from him. I understand he was dealing with that injury, but uh, he, he was wasn't as great. I'd, I'd say more just disappointed in the position group more because of how highly we thought of them going into this last season. I, th- I thought Malcolm Ray was pretty decent the last like quarter or so of the season. Like he, he was making a couple impact plays, um, but you definitely want to see more out of him. Consistency, I would say. What about you, D. Lou? Fourth worst. I'm I'm now going to go with cornerback. And, you know, this was a unit that was really disappointing, I felt like, through the first five or six games and then ended up turning it around down the stretch, in particular the last probably three three or four games um, for, <clears throat> for Florida State, you know, because during the beginning of the season, Amur and Cooper obviously wasn't 100%. Kevin Knowles ended up getting banged up. He obviously wasn't 100% throughout the year. I remember Greedy getting mossed uh, in that Wake Forest game <laughs> on the third or fourth down. And after that, I was like, well, you know, that, yeah. that kid's probably not going to do much here. But then he ended up turning it around. So for me, it was just kind of the ability for these guys to respond from adversity. And like I said, without that stretch to end the year, I probably would have had them swapped with the interior defensive line. But you know, I saw I saw enough over the last couple of games, and you know, feel pretty strongly about this group going into twenty twenty three. It's going to be important for the whole the whole unit to get back entirely healthy, and the addition of Fentrell is always going to going to be a big one for FSU. Yeah, Fentrell Cypress gives them something they desperately needed. I'm I'm excited to see him out there. I think he's going to be exactly what this team needs. I really like it. Uh, it's going to be fun previewing a lot of this, but Fentrell, Renardo Green. Greedy Vance, who was kind of a shocker to us a little bit. Azare Thomas. Four names right there that you already know is going to bring some good competition. And then Jerry Jones, like you had mentioned, VZ, sort of built some consistency and definitely was making some big plays for Florida State. Um, you know, and there's, of course, some other guys they'd like to see a turnaround from Marion, which kind of had a little bit of and that Oklahoma game. Um, and then Kevin, you know, Kevin Knowles mentioned, you know, got it. There's there's some potential there for those guys, so it's good. That that, that room is going to be highly competitive. I, I, mm-hmm. That has the same kind of wide receiver going into 2022. The theme that they had. This is kind of the same way for the secondary. I think going into this spring, a lot of competition is to be had in a few months. Uh, my back, Dilo. You ready yep. to bring us back, back around? Up. Ring us around. All right, this one might be <clears throat> might be a surprise, but. I'm going to say safeties. Oh, wow. Just, mm. uh, oh, D'Lo, you and I 
shaking hands here. We are going to wow. be the same at number eight. I thought Jamie had a solid year, but there were just some moments where I didn't feel like he played up to his full potential, and we saw him miss some tackles. And then same thing <clears throat> to a more to a greater extent, I would say with Akeem Dent. You know, I, I thought those two would man the back end for Florida State, but at times there were some mistakes, some miscommunications, um, and and Dent's you know role he he suffered. Some injuries. I thought Shaheem Brown, you know, made a nice impact there. Definitely, and I've said on here a couple of times, a rising star for Florida State. But in the end, just not enough consistency and depth for me at that unit. It felt like they, at times, I mean, they were extremely thin back there and were almost afraid to go to Jarquez McLeleon for whatever reason after he had been a productive reserve for the unit in, in 2021. So, yeah, it's just how I feel about him. I'm right there with you on the safety position. Don't really need to add too much more, but yeah, more takeaways would have been a plus definitely on Jamie's side of things. And yeah, he made a, a big time impact. And I think that is the, that is your star player in that safety room. That's understandable, but I was expecting a whole ton more out of Akeem Den this year. And I understand he was going through injuries and such, but even before he, whenever he was fully healthy, Man, it just didn't seem to be like this was going to be a season that we were expecting from him. You know, there was a lot, there was a lot of hype going in for that duo of Dent and Jamie to be one of the top ones in the conference, and that didn't end up happening. You know, Jamie, I think, is going to do very well in the league, but mm-hmm. uh, the way that Florida State ended up utilizing him near that latter half of the season, I really enjoyed. But I think one of the pluses that you get out of that safety room, and we're not we're not acting like this is we're now kind of middle here pack of the rankings. Not like this is a terrible group or a bad group. A plus here is Shaheen Brown and the future that he holds. He is probably going to be my my you know breakout player to watch out for in 2023. That kid has got some talent. He understands film, watching it. He knows he can go east to west quick as hell. Uh, that play that he made against UF was incredible, and you don't get that kind of you don't get that you know type of skill set. I just you can't train for that. That's just unique. Um, and he was born with that. So Shaheen Brown is a really nice plus to look ahead to this next season. But just I I wish Shaheen Brown had more playing time or got into the mix more if they would have known Akeem Dent wasn't going to be healthy and such, I, I there, there's going to be a lot more Shaheem Brown going into next season, in my opinion. Uh, you're up next, VZ. I'm, what I'm, do you got here? We're now. I'm kind of surprised. I had safeties higher. Um, mm. I want to preface this by saying, like, we're in a completely different tier than we were from these bottom four groups. Oh, here like, we go. Any of these next three to four were all – pretty close to me. I'm going to take the linebackers here. Um, mm. They've made significant improvements from where they've been for the last decade, really, since Delvin Smith left. Um, but they still struggle at times with consistency, especially tackling. Um, I felt like too many times they just missed tackles, you know, missed it by a shoelace, missed it by a fingertip. Um, and you're having to have, you know, Jamie Robinson and Shaheen Brown come clean those plays up uh, from the safety position. I really like the developments Kalen Deloach made and Tatum Bethune was a much needed uh, presence for that room, but I still think they have some room to go, some some progress to make. So I have linebackers right here. Okay. We're, we're getting in that 
forget in that range, actually, of linebackers. For me, we're we're getting there. I think we're getting really close, actually. Oh, we're there for me. Let me go and put mine up there right now. I'm right there at linebackers at number. But isn't isn't it Austin's turn to go again? Yeah, I mean, but it Logan's, is. But I went Logan's ahead and added mine. Turns. Logan's just skipping well, turns. I wanted to make it so it's fair for you guys. I don't want to hear the whole. Well, I had to go first last night. Third I don't. Graders. I don't care. Dustin's the only one that. I was just. That. I was just. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, deep down inside, he's ticked. We've already went on five of them, so at this point, does it matter? Yeah, yeah. Um, one, two, three, four, five. Yeah. I'm, now we're heading to the good direction. We're we're heading to two. Like, like I said, the li- linebackers have made significant improvements from where they were, even just last season. Um, but there's still room to go. Six best, six best out of yeah. all the units. Right, but yeah, the right strides the have been made. Yeah, strides have been made there. Um, I. Yeah, I I wouldn't say that. Yeah, Randy Shannon kind of surprised me a little bit. I would say, in some regard, and I think too having having the experience helped with having Rob, you know, Rob Deloach, yeah, his dad, Kalen Deloach, uh, have another season, and then also Lundy changing his body helped a ton with helping him a little bit and, and coverage. And I think they, I think Randy Shannon just utilized them better and then put them in some scenarios where we saw Chris Marv have some of his linebackers go out in coverage on an opponent's best and fastest tight end or even a friggin' slot receiver like that. That was really scary to watch under Chris Marv. So I think Randy Shannon just overall better coach and understanding which of his players fit best in different offensive schemes that they're going against. Uh, go ahead, VZ, for your other um, one. This is going to be this, your sixth Yeah, this, this also might come as a surprise. Th- these next two were neck and neck for me. I'm going to take the wide receivers – um, I felt at times they really struggled with consistency, especially Johnny Wilson. As good as he was all season, he still he was credited with six drops, but I felt like all six of those came in just huge moments in, in places where those plays need to be made. Um, I felt like what this room did best was blocking uh, on the outside, just the feistiness that they were they were making these lanes for running backs. And to me, when your best facet as a wide receiver is blocking, kind of knocks you down a little bit. Um, <laughs> I'm not saying the room was bad. I'm just saying, like, like with the linebackers, it's huge improvements from what we saw last season. But there's still some growth that needs to happen, um, especially consistency. Um, you're losing a, a top-end speed guy in, in Ontario Wilson. Hopefully, Winston Wright can fill that spot. Um, and it kind of caught me off guard that uh, Poitier was the second-highest-graded receiver out of this group. So a, a, as much as we like Poitier, I, I don't think you can say, oh, yeah, he's the second-best receiver on the team and be like, Oh yeah, the wide receiver group was good. There's some. There's, uh, there's some say, to be made. I would just say PFF sucks. <laughs> However you want to put it. <laughs> However you want to put it. But okay. um, it's definitely early, in my opinion. It's definitely early. It's definitely early. You're you're risking it for a biscuit here. I don't think you're. Nah, compared to mine, yeah, you're you're risking it for a biscuit. I will also be joining Logan uh, with the linebackers. Wow. We have such a – it's crazy how our minds yeah. think alike like y- this, Dustin. Y'all the suckiest bromance. I hate it. I was, imp- <laughs> I was impressed uh, with the growth that we saw. Obviously, the addition of Tatum Bethune here was absolutely massive for Florida State. But then to just see what uh, Kalen Deloach and DJ Lundy have grown into since coming into Florida State a couple of years ago – 
very impressive as well. And I think an underrated part of this unit, Brendan Gant, um, a guy who transitioned from safety down to linebacker over the offseason, ended up becoming a part of the rotation and being impactful on the field at times with probably the best overall season that he's put out for FSU during his time here. You know, when you factor in his work on special teams as well, um, a promising youngster and Omar Graham Jr. And there were some inconsistencies at times, um, especially whenever Florida State played some of the quarterbacks that could run. You know, I go back to that game against Malik Cunningham, obviously Jaden Daniels beaten Tatum and Deloach a couple times during that game on scrambles in the bowl game against Gabriel. There's definitely some facets that they need to get better at. But overall, I thought a pretty solid outing from the linebackers compared to what we've seen in recent history from Florida State. But before anyone says anything else, I want someone to recognize something. We are entering the top five without saying offensive line. I know. I know. Can, Can we give a round of applause to Alex Atkins? Good job. Florida State is at minimum a top five group for this team. I was just thinking that before we even started with this, I was wondering, well, I had mine down here, but who would have thought? Who would have thought? Who would have thought? What a turnaround. Like, I was just thinking, like, middle of the half season, I I never talked about the offensive line. I never thought that that was going to be a threat against a team. I just didn't think that would be something. Whereas two years ago, I'd be like, oh my goodness, there's no way FSU's offensive line is going to be able to hold on to this. Even even entering the season, if we had said Florida State's going to have a top five or of their position groups, offensive line is going to be a top five position group, I think all of us would have laughed (laughs) Mm -hmm. audibly. And here we are. Give that man a raise. Uh, Dilu, swing us back around, if you will. Now's the time where I join Austin with the wide receivers. Wow. Okay. Because I agree, like as big of as big of an impact as Johnny Wilson ended up making this year, and you know, as big as some of the catches he made were, yeah, there were some moments where he struggled with consistency <clears throat> bringing the ball in. And then yeah, you know. I made a prediction before the season. I think it was two wide receivers to get over 600 yards. I think only two ended up getting over 400, if, if I'm correct. I don't have it. Um, I don't have it pulled up at the moment. Johnny and Ontario. And then the next closest was Pittman at 330. So, yeah, still some concerns to me about the overall production from this unit. would like to see it spread out a little bit more, grow some more in 2023 but i mean there are definitely a lot of interesting pieces on this unit you know you bring up poitier i think he's someone that could grow into a a consistent deep threat for florida state someone like darian williamson who has been set back by injuries a lot of potential still there so i feel like the sky is still the limit for this uh, wide receiver unit and it wouldn't surprise me if you know if we do this again a year from now they climb this list a little bit yeah, don't get me wrong. I, I really put, like Poitier, and he has a ton of potential, but I don't think he can come off as your second-best receiver. Well, that's not what the stats say. That's well, what the okay. Says. Wh- whatever. Just... <laughs> My point's been made. Let the point ring out. <laughs> All right, Logan. Yeah. I'm up next, and I'm going to go offensive line here. 
He's going to be in my top five. Um, I want to shout out too, because this is now heading into the positive side of things. Just the remarkable turn that Alex Atkins has put together here, building depth. I think that's one and not just building depth, building depth with experience, I think is what helped this team. And he threw in jazz and turn time and he had, he had experience before, but it took a lot of coaching for him to build consistent play at a good level. And I think throughout the season, we saw some growth there and there. And, you know, it struggled early on, but we started to build, we started to find some consistency because we no longer were griping about him and some of his play that he had in earlier uh, in the year. So I, I just like this. I really like what I saw from Dimitri Emmanuel because he started he started showing out in practices and it goes to show too, you know, now we're wondering, is he going to be available for another season? And it just goes to show if that happens, that is even, that is so much as huge for Florida state, um, man, you know, we, we kind of saw what we were going to get out of Maurice Smith and he did what he does with his size. And I understand we always want to kind of keep on putting some size on. I just don't know if that's ever going to happen. Um, but yeah, I, I just was really pleased with, Dylan Gibbons play the consistency that he had uh, Robert Scott when fully healthy. He was, he was nice. I just think consistency definitely. And, and the health wise, they were all from a majority of this season. These guys were able to stay healthy. And I was really impressed with what Florida state, at least offensively and also moving some guys around in some of these games. It didn't, completely wreck Florida state's offense. And, you know, Darius Washington is playing every single <laughs> position. It feels like during that year. And, you know, I don't know. I, I just thought too, with also you're dealing with, you, you thought that bless Harris was going to be your starter at the tackle position. He goes out, he gets hurt and you don't have him for the LSU game. You're jumping around trying to find replacements. You're throwing in jazz and turning time. I just thought coach Atkins did a really nice, nice job this season with, throwing in guys because we had seen it before uh in 2021 where coach Atkins was throwing guys out there in games away games and there wasn't experience there there wasn't experienced guys going out there and it showed and it hurt Florida State's offense immensely this year around though in 2022 you saw the experience and I, I thought that was huge for Florida State to be able to consistently get down the field with the guys that they had up front I am right there with you I have offensive line right here um, like, like you mentioned with, with bless Harris, you know, he gets hurt in the first game and the one game where we saw everyone completely healthy, they set a school record for rushing yards with what was it? Three guys over hundred yards, mm -hmm. just an insane rushing performance. I get it's Duquesne, but we saw what they could be and just everybody was dealing with injuries, but when healthy, Robert Scott was one of the best tackles in the ACC. Um, like you mentioned, Logan, Mitre Emanuel was phenomenal. If they can get him back for another season, that's, it's going to be huge for the team. Dylan Gibbons was great. Mo Smith was solid. You know, like you mentioned, I don't know if that size is ever going to come, but mm -hmm. he was still good when he needed to be. Um, and then Turntine ended up being a lot better than we thought he'd be after those first few games. We we're like, oh, man, this is going to be a rough season if he keeps playing like this. Yeah. Uh, Darius Washington stepped up and played all five spots and did them <laughs> adequately. Um, and now you're looking at next season where you're going to have nine to 10 guys that can consistently play and give you good minutes. Um, it, it wouldn't be shocking to me if this is a top three unit next, next year, which is crazy to say. Mm. And also we have to, we have to talk about the Miami game when talking about the offensive line, it just ran counter 35 times and it worked every single time. 
Mm-hmm. So yeah, shout, shout out this it. group. Yeah, major shout out. Uh, and and then I'm up again. I'm gonna. I have the safeties here, which is a lot higher than you guys had them. Mm. Um, if it's not for Jamie Robinson, I think this team has like seven, eight wins. He was just cleaning up everything on the back end, making plays in the wrong game, pass breakups, just doing whatever was required for this defense to be successful. That's why I have the safeties this high. Obviously, if Akeem Dent is what we think he can be, th- this group's an elite group. But he struggled with injury. The, the play that I just keep seeing in my head over and over is that, that play where Amari Cooper got beat by Marvin Mims down the sideline. And instead of going for the ball, which he could have made a play on the ball and, and swatted out of bounds, he goes for the hit and, and Mims makes the catch. Um, mm-hmm. That play just like, I, I get you're not 100% the game, but you got to make that play. Um, and then Shaheen Brown was just awesome the last half of the season. Um, I, I know we already talked about it uh late or earlier but going into next season he he's going to be really really fun to watch and I, i'm excited what he can bring next season mm-hmm. uh mine up next if my cat will get off my piece of paper i don't know we're gonna start shaking some things up i don't think it really will though just the way i'm explain it but i'm going defensive end here i keep on thinking like this is we're doing the rankings for the worst position this is top four now yeah. uh but i'm going defensive ends here jared verse we got that we know he's come back for another season but after this season excelled excelled and i think after we were able to put out a couple reports of him at practice and the impact that he was making and then you get to see it for throughout the first couple of weeks if jared verse doesn't get that injury man he's gone he ain't coming back for another season um and so uh, even with him having that injury, he still was causing problems for offenses. So that's Jared first, uh, you know, Derek McLennan, uh, you know, this, this defensive end ranking could go up to number definitely three or two, in my opinion, if, if Derek McLennan, if I saw more out of him, yeah, it wasn't an awful year for him, but I, I thought I'd see a little bit more of strides. He'll have another season too. Uh, Pat Payton, really nice uh, breakout, kind of like a, like a sneaky breakout. We'll probably have even a bigger one in 2023, 20, but I thought that was a uh, really big. We saw signs in the spring. We saw in fall camp and then him getting some playing time and getting a lot more playing time and the impact that he brings. I want to see a little bit more of him better in pass rush than anything. We kind of see what he'll bring in tackling and the run game defense. But uh, overall, the, those three guys really stood out to me. And then, you know, Leonard Warner out of nowhere, you know, hello. He was, know, quite, he was quietly not terrible. Yeah, like he like he made plays here and there, and I'd be like, oh, my goodness, 35, hello. Like this is a Leonard Warner game, I would say, after like one or two games this year, and I never would talk about Leonard Warner, nor did I even preview him whatsoever in that 2022 preview in that position group. But um, I did. This, I know you did. That was and, I, I'm, and I remember making fun of you for it. I'm like, come on. Uh, he, was, <laughs> yeah. he was okay. Get, yeah, we got to give Dustin his flowers after his Marcus Cushney <laughs> friggin' prediction that he made two years ago. So we got to give, give him his flowers now. Move on from that one. Yeah, we totally just don't want to talk about that. Jermaine Johnson or Marcus Cushney, leader in sacks? I don't, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, this, this is a top four position group. Uh, after the 2022 season, in my opinion, Jared Verse obviously drags that up even higher. But yeah, uh, that's where that for me. 
And I'm going to kind of, I'm going to kind of follow you guys here from the last round with the offensive line. Feel pretty strongly about them after the performance this this last season. Like you guys said, they kind of flew under the radar um, a little bit. We weren't on here after the show, you know, criticizing them for giving up a big sack or things like that. For the most part, they did their job and in, in crucial situations. You know, Florida State compiled that seven game streak where they were able to rush for two hundred plus yards. Um, Jordan Travis had a lot of time in the pocket. I felt like and. Yeah, like you and Logan, you kind of brought it up too. Like, Bless Harris was supposed to play a big role for this team and got hurt in what ended up being a meaningless game against Duquesne. And from there, this team really had to figure it out and thought the coaching staff did a pretty good job of making it work. And you know, even dating back to fall camp, this offensive line was pretty banged up. There was a moment in Jacksonville where we thought the season might be over before it even <laughs> began whenever – Marie Smith went down, and that was after Caden Lyles had already been ruled out for the season. So this unit dealt with some adversity, and in the end, they were able to come together and build some real consistency. So I'm excited to see this building block and kind of what they can do on top of it with the majority of their contributors coming back for another year, and we'll see how things work out with Dimitri. But he's on the roster right now, and if they're able to field him as well alongside these three transfers they've got coming in, Sky is the limit for this offensive line. It's it's just crazy to see the the turnaround over the last five years. I mean, even dating back to 2020, whenever it was Coach Atkins' first year here in Tallahassee alongside Norvell, the growth from then to now, exponential. I mean, what a job. It, it's really the cleanest pockets we've seen Florida State have in well over a decade. Yeah. You know, as – as much as we hype up that 2013 team, they were still gave up a ton of sacks that year. Yep, and I allowed where Jordan Travis, you know, where we put these QB rankings, where this will put him. Because if your offensive line isn't, when your offensive line is this high ranked, your quarterback is going to be probably top three. So, uh, Dustin, do you want to give us your number good. three, your third best? We're now in so, the top three. Here we go. Trailing you here, Logan, but defensive ends. And the main reason for that, the breakout performance of Jared Verse. I mean, what a campaign from him. Like you said, if he's fully healthy, um, plays a full season like he was supposed to, doesn't suffer that knee injury at Louisville that that limits him for a little bit and causes him to miss a game, he's probably gone to the NFL, um, locked for a top 15 pick. And then right behind him, Patrick Payton, defensive rookie of the year, another guy who, you know, we didn't really know what to expect coming into this. He transformed his body and really proved that he could be something special for Florida State in the coming years. Derek McClendon, you kind of know what you're going to get from him uh, as a veteran in this system. You know, not going to be, I feel, not going to be like elite, but still going to be someone good to have in this rotation and another potential starter. Going into 2023, we mentioned Leonard Warner, who, you know, my guy, good job, nice six year. <laughs> and then also, uh, we didn't really bring him up, but Dennis Briggs <clears throat> kind of flexing between that defensive end, defensive tackle role, made some strides to both units, and we'll see if he's able to get more of a, a firm position going into 2023. Okay, I like it, I like it. Uh, my number three here, and I'm going to go ahead and do it. 
do it. Uh, there's, it's gonna be we're I. Dang yeah, I am really am gonna be a little bit. Different. It's too high. Uh, actually, not. I'm actually not gonna be too, too different. It's too high. You up nope. there? Nope. Nope. Not at all. Not not even close. I should go even higher. I no. should go even higher. Who are you should, gonna? I think I who should. Who else would you put him over? Quarterbacks. Okay. All right. <laughs> Here we go. NC State take, game. The takes have started. NC State game. Um. Yeah. Uh, wide receiver room. To me, y'all already talked about him earlier, but they're two ahead of everybody else on here between Dustin and Austin. Uh, I've got them as my third best position group after the 2022 season. The addition of Johnny Wilson saw saw it in the spring, knew he'd be a, a big time factor for what Mike Norvell was going to do and utilize him for, uh, you know, there was an inconsistency in drops, but he would make the drops and then he'd make up for it on the next drive. And that's all, that's something that you, you can try to strive for and build on and not a lot of players can do that and you know i saw a johnny wilson can respond and that's something that i do think will make me feel a lot better and hopefully can be fixed going into the 2023 season micah Pittman, i want to see him use i just really like the way florida state used him in a lot of different ways for short yardage gains and he ended up just absolutely demolishing people down downfield uh you know, after being touched, you know, he's being tackled and he's still fine for more yards. Micah Pittman was a good addition there. Um, and, and then Ontario Wilson, I don't think it's talked about enough the way that he played against LSU, where he, that was a major win for Florida State. I think if Florida State loses against LSU, I don't think Florida State's winning 10 wins or getting 10 wins on the season. Well, definitely not because then they would have had nine wins. So that's why my <laughs> wide receiver room is right there. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I like a. I like that. Malik McLean, you know, shout out to him. Best of luck up to Penn State. He'll be starting up there. Uh, but th- this room produced. They did well, and it helps that, you know, your quarterback was playing at some points out of his mind this year. But uh, I just thought this wide receiver room came in and came into the season. Guys, you know, like Ja'Kai Douglas later on in the year made some a few plays here and there, just a lot more, a, lo- a lot of variety and you still didn't get Winston right or a whole ton of due span either. But it just goes to show what, you know, shout out to Ron Dugans and what he was able to do in this year, bringing in some talent and then utilizing as best of its ability. Um, but yeah, that, that definitely highlighted a ton by, by Johnny Wilson, what he was able to bring alongside with Ontario Wilson and Micah Pittman. Now it's on to you, VZ. Um, I like Dustin have the defense events here. Um, Jared Verse was phenomenal all season, and the the bend that Patrick Payton showed off the edge the second half of the season. There are times you're just looking at him going, "How is he having that kind of dip?" Just going under the block and getting to the quarterback. He was really, really impactful. Uh, the middle half, second half of the season. Um, really excited to see what this what this room is going to do this season. Everybody's back. Run it back, get back after the quarterback. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch these guys come off the edge this coming season. Now you bring us back around. Who's your number two? Man, you talk about one. you talk about a hard decision. I Tough. number Tough. two is running backs to me. Um, I. I <laughs> 
it's tough. Toughy. It's tough, but it, I, I'm taking running backs number two. Um, it's crazy how the room evolved throughout the season. You know, those first couple of games, like, man, if it's not Trashawn Ward, like these guys really aren't doing anything. Like we, we talked about a lot in the LSU game where, you know, Trey Benson and Toa Philly are just going east-west, east-west, and, and then Trashawn Ward's just north and south getting through those gaps. And here's a big reason why Florida State won that game. Then once he goes down with the injury at NC State, Trey Benson really comes on in a big way. He's starting to trust his knee more and more. Um, it's, it's such a deep room. Like if you're talking like top to bottom, best overall talent, running backs is probably number one. Um, but as we'll talk about a little bit later, uh, Jordan Travis was just spectacular this season. It's hard to not keep him out of the top spot. Um, it was close, but I had running back second. Yeah, just go ahead and put it. Quarterbacks at number one. We'll, we'll talk about it when we come back around. Yep. Uh, I'm right here, and I am at quarterbacks, so we're just a little bit different here. Um, but And I've got running backs as number one. Uh, you already talked about running backs. Trey Benson, come back from the injury, ends up being a starting guy. He'll be the same way going into next year. Uh, Trishon Ward. Just, just elusive player, man. Great eyes, great vision. End up being your, you know, your running, your go-to running back against LSU. Uh, also Oklahoma too. He was in just some games. He was the one guy that you could go to, and that's what Mike Norvell likes to have in that running back room. Guys that you know, if something's not working for two other ones, you know, throw out another one, see what happens. And you know, Trayshawn Ward will give you that. Lawrence Tofilly. Uh, didn't you know we saw a little flashes here and there we got to see Rodney Hill we got to see CJ Campbell and, and some you know more of garbage time but the future just just shows how bright it is for that room so uh, you know that's why my, that's why running backs is number one for me quarterbacks is at number two you know it, it was hard because you add on Jordan Travis's season and that was a spe- spectacular season that he put together uh, and you add on Tate Rodemaker to what he was able to do at Louisville. Someone that also had to respond after throwing that interception and go down lead and get that touchdown on the road where I know in his head, everybody, including probably us at that time, I'll, everybody, you can't lie in the comments or anything. Everybody in their head was not expecting. You, you thought it was over. Jordan Travis is down. They're not winning that game. Just go and bring it back home. We'll see what the season looks like. After that, you can go back and check my texts because uh, I was at a NASCAR race that night watching the game on my phone and I'm texting back and forth with my mom who's yeah, who was back here watching the game. And as soon as Travis goes, I'm like, game so, over, season over. Because I'm like, yep. even if he's out two to three games, those are all three losses. Yeah, that's but a wrap. Where Rodemaker comes in, plays the first two series, he was horrendous. And then after this, after halftime, he kind of regathered himself and was, was really good, made some big throws down the stretch. Yeah, exactly. So that that definitely helps put it there as a top two position group for me. And you know, Jordan Travis the season he had. You know, we'll we'll talk about a ton during this off season. But uh, just I, I think him turning into more of a leader. I think seeing his response to after the Louisville game and that three game losing stretch, he just saw something switch. Even Mike Norvell admitted it after a practice one day. Just came in a little bit more pissed off and kind of got a little bit more chippy with the defense and. Uh, I don't know. I, I just saw a ton, a, a massive growth in Jordan Travis, and you're seeing even more of one heading into this off season. That is kind of scary to think of, but just 2022 alone, this shout out to Jordan Travis. This was, 
something I don't think a lot of people, even that are hands-on covering Florida State like we are at these practices, we're expecting. And it's just it's just goes to show just kind of like the mental mental state. And also shout out to Coach Tokars too. Uh, first year quarterbacks coach had him on the show a couple weeks ago. Highly suggest you guys go listen to that interview. Uh, you know what coach Tokars was able to do with Tate Rodemaker and Jordan Travis is huge. And you're getting both of those guys back in 2023. I guess I'll kind of end it off here. This was really tough for me. I was flip flopping on this one for quite some time, but I'm going to end up going quarterbacks, number one, running backs, Number two, and honestly, it didn't even click for me. I was going to go running backs, and then I watched you, Logan, type in quarterbacks Roston, and that's when it reflected on me. You know, we're not just talking about Jordan Travis here. Jordan Travis had a terrific season, one of the best in school history for Florida State. You know, a 3,000-yard passer, first time for FSU since 2016. He did he did some amazing work. And, I mean, man, to see the strides that this guy has made since – 2019 when we first watched him step on the field against Boston College and just be utilized as a rusher to 2020 and 2021 where there were plenty of ups and downs and plenty of times where it was fair to question if Jordan Travis would be the future you know at quarterback for Florida State and then you know he just seized it and proved it and put it all together this year um, and, and just really showed what he can be I mean dude is a, a special player and I'm excited to see what his final year um, of, of college eligibility will bring, but he's not the only quarterback in that room. And you alluded to it. Tate Rodemaker, in my opinion, might have saved Florida State's season by leading them to that victory, uh, comeback victory on Friday night in Louisville. You know, that was, it could have all fallen apart, I feel like, that night for Florida State. But overcoming that type of adversity, a deficit on the road against a conference opponent that Norvell hadn't beaten yet while he was at Florida State. I feel like that gave not only the the team, but also the coaching staff some real confidence about what could be done during this past campaign and, and kind of help drive them forward from there. You know, in tough times, this team, there were some times where they panicked, but a majority of the time it felt like they held their resolve and were able to get the job done. The, the reason for me that quarterbacks were number one is because Jordan Travis was so spectacular as a running threat. You know, you could you could make the argument he was more impactful as a runner than he's been in the past, just because. I mean, he, he averaged more yards per carry than he needed the last two years, but the the defense was more keyed on his run more than ever. So that's just one or two more sets of eyes looking at him opening those lanes for the running backs, and then when the play broke down, that there's no receivers open, he's able to still take off and get 15, 20, 25 yards when it's necessary. Um, we saw it in the Florida game. Florida State does not win that game against Florida without Jordan Travis making three ridiculous plays. Um, he was so spectacular for this team this season. And for for us to say that when a year ago we were debating if he was even better than Mackenzie Milton is just credit to Tokars, credit to Norvell, and credit to Travis for these strides he's made. He's He was unreal this season. The sky really is the limit. The fact that we're able to have these Heisman campaigns for him and no one's laughing at it is insane. Hmm. He's going to shatter. A, I was just thinking about this earlier, but he's going to shatter a lot of records. Yeah, a ton. Next season, and you could you could argue he's already started to. I mean, this year alone, he had thirty two hundred oh, yeah. yards, twenty four touchdowns to just five picks on sixty four percent completion. 
on top of 400 rushing yards and seven rushing touchdowns. Yeah. So it takes, statistically, Jordan Travis will go down as one of the best quarterbacks in Florida State history. He's I, you could you could honestly make the argument he's already a top five quarterback in school history. Top you five, know. he might be top four outside of the Heisman winners. Yeah, it's it's Charlie, Jameis, Winky, however order you want to put him in for those top three, and then the, the, the argument starts there for who you want next. <clears throat> and would, you know, barring something completely unexpected, he's going to leave. Tallahassee is the all-time leader in, in touchdown scored, which is just. And he was he was a t- I, I know I've mentioned Pro Football Focus a lot, but he was their top-rated quarterback. Not Caleb Williams, not Bryce Young, not C.J. Stroud, not whoever else. It was Jordan Travis. And you you can't say, I don't think you can go into this exercise knowing that Jordan Travis was one of the best players in college football and not have them have quarterbacks be the top position group for this team. Mm-hmm. And it's no slight to the running backs because so, yeah, the running backs are three terrific amazing. players right there. But just what Jordan Travis did, coupled with Tate Rodemaker winning that game, special year from Florida State's quarterbacks. And I mean, just look at that. Looking at that spreadsheet, look at how high we rank the majority of the offensive positions. I mean, the unit in general performed very well for FSU. There were some times during those during the three game losing streak where. You know, you could question some parts of the game plan, but overall, an elite year for Florida State on offense. Yeah, none of the, except for Austin, he's got the wide receivers in, but for a majority, no off or no offense in the orange or, or red there near the bottom, except for tight ends. That was well, you. You made good. those tiers up while we were. You know, you, I, you, it makes you colored sense. those. We did. It's good for the eyes. It's good for it's good for the eyes. Kind of get. I would have extended doing here. I would have sent the I would have extended the yellow up one, and then and the red up one. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Offensive line into the yellow. Yeah, that's where you put them. And wide receivers. <laughs> yes. Hell no. Yes. No, that's I did funny. that because that's not what I would do. They're a we top. Can, we, that's a, D- that's Dustin, a, we can agree that Logan's is the worst list, right? No. No. One, two. Yeah, this is top five. That's a green. You, you keep your top five in the green. You don't put you don't put a yellow in your top five. You don't have a top four. You have a top five green. Okay, so let's down. let's let's say we did this exercise last year. So oh, no, really, no, 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 let, no. Let's do it. Let's 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 say we did this exercise during the Willie Taggart years. You're gonna say, oh yeah, the top five position groups are all good, so they're gonna be green. Or do you want to no. know? You want to you want to know you want to know VZ? Let me show you the Willie Taggart era. There's your Willie Taggart. <laughs> exactly. Right That's what there. I'm saying. There's That's what I'm saying. So you can't you can't say oh yeah the top five has to be green. I mean we're, we're making no, it has a good point, but now there's we, eleven we position green. groups and nearly half of yours are in green. Mine. If five I'm doing out of mine, eleven. If I'm doing mine. Hmm, close. This is my green right here. This is my. So what you I was just have and please. Yeah. Yep. So what is y'all y'all's is just this? Mine would be top four. Mine would be mine would be top three, like a dark green, and then safety is like a light green. Okay. Because they're not get, the same get, tier. Yeah, I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> I didn't I didn't want to I'm do all done. that. Just shut it off. I'm done. Don't even, don't even. God almighty, please help us. Oh, goodness. All right. Well, that ended up being a two-hour show pretty much. Good God. All right. But no, that was really good. That was actually pretty fun. We should do more of those. 
as long as we stay away from the color shadings. Cool. Now, now <laughs> you, you screwed my it. color shadings. Hold on. You started it. Uh, I did not start none. Yeah, you did. You That's why we we'll be able to look at this next year. We're going to evaluate. We're going to compare and be like, okay, then we'll preview them and we'll do our color shadings and everything. And we'll see who's wrong and who looks like an idiot going into the next season. But that was good stuff. That was good stuff there. That was fun. I haven't really been able to dive in and go to like a recap of the season yet or just start dialing on some of these position groups. So that was fun. Uh, VZ, 30 seconds on basketball. Oh, why you should st- I, why you should still watch it. Like, could you give any kind of promo for that? I, I, I hate myself for having expectations again. Uh, you know, you know um, that that's, that scene in Endgame where Hawkeye turns around and says, don't give me hope. That should have been me talking to this Florida State basketball team. They gave me hope after two straight road, road wins, especially winning at Pitt, which is so hard for this team to do historically. Trent Forrest didn't do it. Terrence Mann didn't do it. They won at Pitt. They shot 50% from three. I'm like, okay, things are starting to click. Miami's not playing that well on the road. What the hell did I watch last night? I I don't I don't know what that game was. I refuse to believe it happened. Um, but it did because Florida State no longer has a nine game winning streak over Miami. And it sucks. Yeah. It sucks. It hurts. It hurts even more too. It's at home. It's at like, home. That was gonna be your best chance if you're gonna beat him this year. It was at home. You know, Isaiah Wan was dealing with a sinus infection. The spread started at five and a half, and in twelve hours it was down to three. Like, okay, maybe something's gonna happen in this game. And then Miami's like, ha, watch this. And just shot the lights out. Um, it felt like they were 25 of 25 from three. Um, they, they really finished 11 of 22. But uh, Miami was making everything. Florida State couldn't hit the broadside of a barn with a pebble. Um, just an ugly game. The, the rebounds ended up being 40 to 23 in Miami's favor at one point. I think it was 22 to six. Um. Bad game. Just just a terrible, terrible game. And now you get Clemson on Saturday, who is somehow the top team in the conference. Makes absolutely no sense to me. I'm pretty sure everyone coming into the season had them as a bottom five ACC team. And here that was the best team in the conference. Um, here we go. Right back at it. Right back to sucking. Um, yeah. This, you got the excitement. Yeah, you got that this built. weekend. And then you go play at NC State next Wednesday. Um, and I'm sure Turquavian Smith will score 45 points on Florida State. <laughs> hey, well, it, it's just it's just more ammunition in the gun that Florida State back to being a football school. Yeah, yeah. Beat Miami and Florida on the football tired. field. But one day, hard. one day, one day, or I should say, one year, we're gonna have another 2016 season. You know, Florida State's good in football, win the Orange Bowl in exciting fashion. That was, the, that was the first year where basketball really started to take a turn because I was at John Isaac year and Dwayne Bacon second year. They were three three seed in the tournament, top four ACC team. Why can't we have more of those years? What, like, we gotta why, get why, why does one team have to suck? Didn't they lose in the second round that year? Yeah, but, you know, for for the most part, they were good. <laughs> We don't. We don't need yeah. to talk about what happened at the end with Xavier beating us by thirty. Mm, major yikes! 
Yep. So we'll see what ends up happening there with basketball, but definitely feel like you have just a roller coaster ride, and most of it is just going downwards. So not much of a positive. Which I, I should yeah. say, I hope you guys have a guest for next week. So I'll be at the game at NC State. So hoping so. Hoping so. Yeah. Speaking of that, we're we're uh, heading into February. We had two guests in January. We're going to try to load up quite a few more before we get into spring. But we want to have on quite a few guests, former guys. We're going to try to get on some current guys at Florida State. Um, so I'm going to try to give you guys a lot of content throughout the next couple of weeks, definitely, and get you guys prepped for spring camp, which is not crazy soon. But before you know it, it will be here. We've also got a special announcement coming soon. We have a new show that will be debuting on February 13th. That is a Monday night at 7 p.m. Don't have all the details just yet, but I will let you guys know that uh, we've been working on this for over a month now, and I think there's going to be a lot to like for it if you like. If you're just a football nerd, if you like recruiting stuff, might even be able to get Dustin on as a guest. There's a lot planned ahead of time. This will be kind of a show that will run – through the off season, there'll be more of episode types. It won't be a weekly thing. It might get into a weekly thing once we get into the football season in 2023. But to try to add on a little bit different, uh, a different perspective and coverage that I think we've been lacking on Noel Game Day side, we're going to try to bring it to you to start off this 2023 year. And I really like the co-host that I will have for this one. So that will debut on February 13th. So just a couple of weeks away have a lot lined up already got three shows lined up actually for it so and with some really cool themes and topics that we'll be going through but we'll have more details on that make sure you follow us at noel game day that announcement will be coming most likely on friday so keep an eye out for that but other than that appreciate everybody hanging out with us this evening we will see you guys next wednesday at 8 p.m if you're on youtube right now hit that like button subscribe so you don't get lost in the sauce with every other friggin' FSU outlet. I feel like that is doing YouTube videos nowadays, but hit the subscribe button so you get notified every time we release a new episode. Appreciate y'all always hanging out with us, definitely for a lengthy episode like this, but this was really fun sitting down and being able to recap that 2022 season with these guys. It was fun, so I appreciate y'all. Have a great week and a weekend, and we will see you guys on Wednesday. Peace. Same color t-shirt. Mama told me not to sell work.